No Directions Gen Con 2019 seminar coverage is brought to you by Roll for Combat's new Fall of Plaguestone Pathfinder 2e actual play podcast. Featuring Stephen Glicker, Jason McDonald, Rob Tremarco, and No Directions own Lauren Sig and Vanessa Hoskins. Find it and other Pathfinder and Starfinder podcasts, interviews, and reviews at RollForCombat.com. No Direction presents our Gen Con 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. We'd like to thank our seminar team, Lauren Sieg, James Ballad, Vanessa Hoskins, and me, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. We'd also like to thank Peyton Smith from Paizo for helping getting this produced. This content and more great seminar coverage, as well as Pathfinder and Starfinder content, is available at NoDirectionPodcast.com. Hi, everybody. Uh, good morning. Uh, welcome <laughs> welcome to the Meet the Pathfinder Iconics uh, panel. Uh, we've put together a superstar panel, and also I'm here. Uh, I am Eric Mona. I am the publisher and chief creative officer uh, at Paizo, um, and seated, uh, well, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. We'll start with a gentleman to my right. Uh, I'm Wayne Reynolds, uh, and I'm uh, an artist for Pathfinder. And I'm Sarah Robinson, and I'm a creative director at Paizo. So um, one of the things we wanted to do today was take you guys inside the process of uh, basically art directing the uh, Pathfinder iconic characters. So Pathfinder, uh, ever since the very beginning, has had a representative character for each of the character classes. Um, and actually originated uh, with with these folks as well, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, um, back on Dungeon Magazine. We were uh, in charge of Dragon and Dungeon Magazine back in the day. And, and really, um, the idea of iconic characters came out of essentially a, a, a time-cutting <laughs> measure more than anything else. When you're on a, a monthly magazine, deadline is kind of conquers all and one of the things that we were noticing is you know we would as the the editors and writers we'd put together an art order and say something like oh yeah uh, let's do a ranger fighting a paladin um, but the artists who would work on our game we're, we're not always lucky to have an artist like Wayne who's a gamer and, and understands the the genre and so sometimes they you'd get letters back saying like what's a ranger or maybe you'd get like uh, uh, Smokey the Bear in a picture or something like that. And um, and so we said, you know, instead of describing a different ranger every time, let's let's put together like a, a, a list of characters, one of each class, and then we can just say the ranger and the wizard are in a dungeon or whatever. And it will be the same characters each time, and then that will help with um, identifying Dungeon Magazine as a brand because you'd see the same characters and all that. Um, but ironically, it did just kind of start as like, well, this will save us a bunch of time. And what happened then is... Um, Wayne did some really amazing illustrations of those dungeon iconic characters. Remember that, Wayne? Yeah, yeah. Years ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago, <laughs> that. Yeah. And, uh, and what happened I instantly? That, I think that was 2005. Yeah, it was a long time. It was, uh, we were all very cherubic uh, at that time. Um, but I was still innocent. I think you still. Had, I think you still had long hair, my friend. I still had long yeah. hair. I still. I was only hair. three years yeah. out of it myself. Yeah. So, um, so almost immediately, the the readers of the magazine started writing us in, writing into the to Paizo and saying, you know, oh, these guys are really cool. What's their backstory? What what are these characters' names? Um, and that was about the time Watsi cut our legs out from under us and and canceled the magazines. And um, um, I. 
didn't want to put more money into backing up their intellectual property at that point, and we knew we were going to be working on Pathfinder. So one of the things that um, that we kind of worked on together was we said, we know if we have these iconic characters for our new Pathfinder Adventure Path, which uh, took some of the most popular uh, adventure format from Dungeon and, and brought it to a better, more durable format, uh, higher you know, art budget and all that. Um, we knew we'd do these iconic characters and we knew people would want to know who they were from the very beginning. And so unlike Dungeon where the iconics, although they were beautiful, and I think some of those designs, you know, would look great even today. Uh, that was kind of a gimmick in a way. And the iconic characters for Pathfinder were part of the kind of bedrock of the brand from the very beginning. So let's, speaking of the very beginning, let's take a look. Um, I'm going to go alphabetically through all of the Pathfinder iconic characters, show you some preliminary sketches on the screen here, and then Wayne and Sarah can jump in and talk, and I'll talk, and we'll all talk, and then we'll, uh, <laughs> uh, because, you know what, because there are so many of these, there's 12 of these, and there's a lot of illustrations in here, rather than saving all the questions till the end, maybe we'll give a, a, a moment for questions for each of the sets, if, you, if anyone has them. And if you don't, that's cool too. So um, the, the first slide that I would like to see there you go. Uh, it's some early, well, not that early. I mean, you can see this is the seventh take on Pathfinder Goblins for second edition. Is it the seventh take? Wow. That's what okay. it says, as if I'm getting my Roman numerals correct. Uh, version two. So this is the <laughs> second take. <laughs> Wayne's like, I don't remember doing seven goblins. Actually, Wayne kind of nailed the goblin in one back in the day. Uh, it was on the cover of the very first volume of yeah, uh, yeah. Pathfinder Adventure Path. Um, Sarah, do you want to take us into the joy that was the graphic design challenge of the first volume of the Pathfinder Adventure Path? Uh, yeah, I'd be able to get, get it done like in a week. Yeah. We, um, that yeah. was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a moment where um, uh, the, the person who had put together the, uh, the, the, the person who was the head art director on Dungeon and who had done the logo for Pathfinder and some of the very preliminary design ordered a couple of pieces, but it was still very much coming into place. And there was a period of time where Valoros, which was the first, uh, the fighter, was on the first volume of uh, Pathfinder Adventure Path, uh, and then the background image with the goblins. Um, I don't know how you felt, Sarah, but there was a moment there where I felt like that was like the only island of stability and, and incredible chaos. Mm -hmm. And then Sarah managed to pull off, you know, uh, the magazine and like uh, the art direction of the magazine because um, she moved into that place. She pulled that off in like two weeks, teaching her boss a dangerous lesson. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so and, and so kind of the rest is history. Um, but so it all started with this goblin. Um, and Wayne, you've said you've talked about it before, but can you give us a couple bits on the the shape of the goblin head and how that whole thing came about? Um, yeah, I, I spoke yesterday about the, oh, did the you? origins okay. of, uh, of the goblin and where the inspiration came from. So some of you who I recognize from yesterday uh, will we'll have heard the story uh, of where the, the inspiration for the goblin heads come from, which, which came from a bath sponge. It's kind of in the bath, there's like this oval sponge, <laughs> and I, I kind of squished it in half to make a mouth. And, you know, kind of like going, Wayne, I'm going to kill you. And I thought, oh, if that had teeth, that'd be really scary. And, and that's, that's where the, the goblin heads <laughs> come from. It's, it's my bath sponge. With teeth, um, <laughs> also green or gray, generally uh, speaking, it, it would you was, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was a gray before or sponge. after. Yeah, depends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So um, the uh, the the goblin was uh, maybe one of the first 
um, sketches that we did for 2E, I would say, in terms of that that time we yeah. had you come out and do all that concept art. Yeah. Uh, we, we flew Wayne out to um, the United States and to Seattle, and he spent a couple weeks with us in the office um, working three, with, three yeah, weeks. three weeks is actually yeah, yeah. Uh, such a joyful time. <laughs> uh, and so Wayne would be sitting in on some of our creative meetings, and he would then go to his artist's room and, and sketch. Mike and uh, Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and which might be Sarah's office now that I'm thinking about it. That's yeah. ironic, yeah. What? So uh, anyway, so um, so Michael Wayne would come back at the end of the day with like a pile of drawings, or maybe just one awesome drawing or whatever, and and we would talk it through. And and uh, you know the goblin didn't take much because you'd kind of nailed it before. Um, but it was important to get this preliminary art done because um, with the next slide, uh, this was I believe the first painted thing that was that's yeah. truly of the second edition Pathfinder era. So we knew um, goblins because uh, Wayne had done such a great job designing them, because James Jacobs had done such a great job. Uh, our creative director putting um, goblin songs and a lot of the goblin lore you know goblins hate dogs and or they're scared of dogs and they no they hate dogs and they're scared of horses and all that fun <laughs> stuff um, that really Pathfinder number one um, was the thing that that when people responded so positively to it we knew we weren't going to have to shut down our company so I think that was a very good uh, sort of internal moment for us and um, what we wanted to do with Pathfinder originally was to create something that was familiar but fresh at the same time and uh, James and I were talking in the first volume about what do we want to have the monster be and we talked about maybe kobolds but we were doing an adventure called Crown of the Kobold King at that time so we didn't want to double up on kobolds but we wanted kind of a bone simple fantasy monster that we could kind of adopt and make our own because that's what we felt we were doing with the Pathfinder rules is kind of taking something familiar but adding more depth to it and adding you know more options and interest and so when we were looking at what ancestries to put in second edition and we wanted to add something it made a lot of sense to add the thing that was kind of uh, emblematic of the Pathfinder brand and that every time we would do an adventure where you'd play goblins people would love it so it was imperative that we get a good goblin and here is the painted, uh, not anybody in particular, but that one is a generic. Now, they have already advanced. I will advance. This is Fumbus. So I do not have a black and white sketch, but uh, Sarah Wayne, why don't you tell us a little bit about this wonderful gentleman? Um, we, we changed it. Yeah. So. Because originally he had a very high neck. Uh, neck yeah, he had a, he had a collar that, that yeah. came... Kind of oh, yeah. just below his nose. You can sort of right. see the remnants of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gorgeous. I told Wayne that it was kind of important to see his face because you know yeah. he's going to be a new iconic, and that's what we wanted to showcase. So um, that was only like kind of the major change that yeah, I had. Yeah. Um, it was important as well. You felt it was important to kind of show, show his, his neck. neck a little bit. So, so you kind of had that sort of uh, football head, yeah, kind of goblin, uh, which is sort of very, very iconic. Right. For, for the kind of goblin race, so it needed to, at a glance, it, it needed to still look like a goblin. So mm -hmm. if if I'd have continued with this sort of eye neck, we may have lost. Yeah. Sarah and I work work pretty well together. In that, yeah, I trust her instincts <laughs> completely. Um, so if Sarah says oh, something doesn't quite look right, I just like right, okay. And it doesn't look right, and it needs changing because Sarah knows this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so Wayne, um, how early did the the uh, goggles come into play in your concepting of this character? Uh, pretty much straight away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if he's gonna if he's gonna be an alchemist, then 
let's 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 stick some uh, goggles on there. Um, I love how it wraps around his yeah, ears yeah, too. Just, he doesn't have that strap well, on the back. Has, well, yeah, has a weird I, head. Original kind of the original medieval glasses had these loops uh, on them, so that that just kind of like go around your ears. And uh, so I thought, okay, let's 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 do something like that. Um, and 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 Thumbus has lots of little details on him. So he's got like a baby cockatrice's skull. Where is uh, that? That's that's just around his neck. Oh, sweet. Uh, he's got a bezoar oh, yeah, yeah. around his waist. Everyone in here knows what a bezoar you know is, right? What a right? bezoar is? Wayne, tell him it's, it's pretty awesome. It's yeah, it's pretty disgusting. So a bezoar is is like a collection of condensed hair and matter that you find in animals' stomachs. And it kind of like clumps there and becomes solid like a stone. Um, and they kind of cut them out. And in, in the past, it's a it's an alchemical cure for poison. So if if you drink poison, apparently the cure was the you know you ate a bezoar. Not an endorsed by Paizo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cure. Yeah. Um, um, and some humans, uh, you can get a bezoar in your stomach. Uh, I've no idea what you need to do. In order to get a bees or what you've been doing, but <laughs> but you can drink as much poison as you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, does anyone have a question about Fumbus the Alchemist before I move on to the next character? Okay, cool. The next mm. character then is Amiri. Uh, this is the first edition illustration of Amiri. There was no first edition illustration of Fumbus, so now we're in the true uh, updates um, from uh, the old version of the Iconics. And Wayne, I wonder, and Sarah as well. In a general sense, not specific to each individual iconic, but was there a guiding principle in the design sensibility of second edition iconics versus, say, first edition iconics? What was the scope of the change? What were you thinking when you were going into each of these projects, not any individual one? But uh, can we talk a little bit about that? Um, well, I think the only direction I gave Wayne was we wanted to keep him recognizable, but maybe change a few little things that um, maybe were kind of bugging us or that needed to change. So I think Amiri kind of basically stayed the same a little yeah. bit. Um, maybe Wayne changed the little things that maybe that he was bugging him for the longest time and went, had this chance to make yeah. some corrections. Yeah. Itches that needed scratching, right. really. Um, and and one, one of the things that, 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 that bugged me about Amiri uh, at, at the time is I, I gave her kind of like half plate armor and that's that's not a barbarian class armor I wanted to fix that nice so. I bet when we stat her up we call that hide armor oh okay right because you can see it's like plates of an, a hardened leather animal hide right see we, we often sure yeah that works it's cheaper to change words than our <laughs> take it from me uh, so okay so let's get a look at the sketch so here we have um, a, a turnaround on Amiri we wanted to get fronts and backs this time yeah. for sure um, did we ever even officially do the uh, the backs of the first edition uh, ones I don't think so I, I did I did color versions of some of them and, yeah and then uh, I I kind of ran out of time. Yeah, uh, because the uh, the well, finished the finished artwork that went in the book took precedence. Knowing the era of the company, we probably just about ran out of money at the same time. So that's good. <laughs> um, so <laughs> here we have Amiri. Um, did the sword change much? Would you say, Wayne? No, it's pretty not much really. the same. It's pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, it was tough. I mean, with a lot of these, we'd say like, okay, what do we want to update? And then we'd open the picture and be like, that's badass. Originally, yeah. we don't really need to change much. I do think that uh, this version of Amiri 
And uh, yeah, if we could advance two slides real quick to the color version, I'll get back to the equipment in just a second. She does look, uh, she looks thinner than mm -hmm. she did before. She also looks to me um, a little bit more haggard, right? Yeah. Which makes sense because she's flipping off into a rage every few minutes. Yeah, and yeah. at the time um, in the rules, and I'm not sure that this, this got to you or whatever, but at the time in the rules that there was a lot more going on with the fatigue mechanic. And so you'd okay. rage and then you'd get kind of tired and you'd rage and you'd get kind of tired. And so yeah, I can see a little bit of that, whether intentional or otherwise, uh, in this version I, of I, I just wanted, I just... <sighs> I wanted to make her just a little bit, a little bit more wiry, uh, and also with uh, with some of the feedback that I was getting about uh, female representation, uh -huh. I kind of wanted to change her body shape. Right. So she she could she's the original version. She's kind of hourglass, mm -hmm. uh, and and I just I just wanted to get away from that. So yeah yeah, I wanted to make her rangy and thinner and just. Just a little bit more feral, really, because yeah. yeah. she, she's she's not she's not a nice character. She's not kind of like glowing with health. And and initially, I kind of the when I was painting her, she had kind of like a darker complexion, and it mm. just but it just blended with the the kind of hide armor. And I started lightening it and lightening it, and so yeah, she had she had lighter skin. That um, is very interesting. Yeah. Um, let's go back one slide to the Amiri equipment page. So Wayne, um, while he was doing these iconic characters, not only did we ask him to do the full turnaround, so we got the front and the back, yeah. which is nice because in first edition you might notice every once in a while that like the backs of the characters are not always 100% consistent because we didn't have a control image from Wayne. So we wanted to do that, but we also wanted to get really into the nitty gritty on some of this equipment. In the 10 years since Pathfinder first came out, we've had uh, you know computer games, we've had uh, toys, we've had miniatures and all that. So there's other folks doing your characters, and it's important that they do it the way that looks credibly like it's your character, right? It doesn't have to be exact. We kind of like the idea that sometimes artists bring a little bit of their own flair to stuff. But at the end of the day, they're drawing something that there is sort of a platonic ideal of, and that, that is represented by some of these equipment charts. Anything stand out on this um, page of equipment that uh, that has a story behind it? Or what are these notches on the hand axe? Um, they, 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 they're just kind of decoration. Um, the, the, the hand axe is uh, it's, it's kind of based... Loosely based on uh, like a cross between a sort of European hand axe and a tomahawk, so there's there's that sort of aspect to it. Uh, and I think I'd found a historical version of a tomahawk that that had similar kind of chevrons notched into it. Um, but I kind of the chevrons mimic the uh, metal panels. So you can see the metal. Oh panels, yeah. Okay. Uh, so if we can jump the to the slide with the color again. And just kind of toggle back and forth. You guys see that chevrons on the the, the, the skirt there on the front yeah. in the brown skirt? And She's then got go... two two bronze uh, rectangles hanging from uh, from the second belt that oh, have yeah, chevrons yeah. cut into it. Yeah, they're, they're just there for decoration, right? Um, and and they, they kind of like mimic those. Um, and and one of, one of, I think one of the interesting things about Amiri's armor and people go. Well, that's not very practical there, you know, because they all are important. Yes, let's I, address that. Let's that, address that. Isn't that just that, a, a target? I mean, she's got no armor in her yeah, belly. Isn't she going to get stabbed and killed in the stupid. first fight? Yeah, so what yeah. were you thinking? <laughs> um, did, I mean, first of all, 
to, to kind of set the parameters is this this is a fantasy game. This is not real life. This is a game based on imagination where hexapodal lizards breathe fire and people shoot ice out of their fingertips without getting frostbite. So the laws of science and physics gets broken on a fairly regular basis. Um, so taking this in mind, um, Amiri's, the idea behind uh, Amiri is that, yeah, she has a great sword. Um, and and I'd been looking at uh, forms of combat uh, using t- two-handed weapons and two-handed axes and things like that. And some of the earlier forms, uh, there's uh, accounts from the Battle of Hastings about um, Huskals walking forward with uh, great axes or Dane axes, um, and they're swinging them in a figure eight in front of them. Uh, and this figure eight effectively, as it's moving, creates a barrier in front. So the Huskals weren't getting hit in their torsos, they were getting hit on their arms and their legs because that's the area where the opponents were landing blows. They couldn't land blows in that, what, what I'd say, that dangerous cone in front of you because the axe is moving so fast. And the axe was moving so fast, there's an account of the axe head severing through... Um, a Norman knight's mailed leg, the gamberson underneath, the saddle he was sitting on, and the horse. So these, the kind of the speeds that, that were achieved with these weapons was absolutely uncanny. And you may get people going, well, I'd wait for my opening. It's like, Okay, well, good luck there. <laughs> and your opening is one of you your, own your opening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so well, that was the idea behind Amiri. In the yeah, she's she's kind of gone. Well, I've got this great sword, and I'm swinging this in a figure eight in front of me. So I'm going to protect the areas where I'm most going to get hit. Also, it's a barbarian mentality as well that she's kind of saying, "Come on, look, I'm I'm exposed here. I got no armor. If you think." You can take me. Come on, the target's here. Go for it. Amir is still alive. She's there. So that's got to tell you something. <laughs> awesome. All right, so any questions about Amiri? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, many of us know that. Yes, yeah. How much direction do you have personality? Um, a fair amount. We, uh, I think we sent them um, the Meet the Iconics backstory that we did for Amiri. I believe we sent them the Pathfinder Origins comic book issue that I wrote about Amiri's backstory. And our franchise manager, Mark Moreland, was working really closely with them. Um, originally, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, originally kind of the... Some of the, the first uh, vocal reads on the thing was like a little over the top, angry all the time. Like, Aah! you know, there's still some of that in there, but it was, it was pretty extra. And so um, we, we just kind of asked them to tone it down a little bit, particularly when she's not raging. But I think they captured her, her spirit pretty well. Did you, do you think so? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, I mean, we... When we started working with Alcat, um, they they let us know that they were interested in putting an iconic character in with their mix of characters, and, and you know uh, that in the beginning of any sort of relationship, especially when it's involving an adaptation of an uh, existing creative work, there's a little bit of a period of time where you don't really know each other, and you're kind of playing 
let's see a little bit. And I think from their perspective, they wanted to make sure that the companions that are in the game are things that served kind of the game and you know, that, that, you know, um, and they made some interesting, really pathfinder choices, which is kind of cool, but um, not, it's not the iconic characters. It's not the game isn't the game of the iconic characters. Amiri, I think because geographically lived a little bit closer to that area, being from the realm of the Mammoth Lords, I think that they just liked that idea. And honestly, I think they just thought she was cool and wanted a barbarian, and they're right about both of those things. So, yeah. So, um, and then, but we, we, we're like, okay, okay. Where's Valoros? Where are the Hell Knights? Where's the rest of it? You know, and some of that made it in, and some of it's going to wait for future stuff. But um, I'm pretty confident they can adapt any of these characters at this point. So that should be really fun. All right, so let's go to the next one, which is Lem. Um, this is the original. Uh, here is our bard. Um, Wayne, Sarah, any thoughts on the original Lem? Yeah. I mean, this is one of those, like, it's, if it's not broken, don't fix yeah. it, kind yeah. of. I do think that when we did the, um, and Wayne, I don't think you were the one who did it, or, or maybe you did. Did you do the uh, the Mythic uh, Lem? Was he on the cover of Mythic Adventures, or was that no, a I different artist design? So yeah. that one had, like, it was the super high-level version of, yeah. of, uh, of Lem, and he, he had, like, a sweet, stylish jacket that was a little bit different than the one that he had as a default so i think that kind of locked in my head that this guy's like a little bit of a fashion horse you know and he's uh he's a i don't know why i would have thought that um but uh yeah so uh here he is original so then here's the sketch yeah and uh let's talk about the sketch a little bit again don't it ain't that broken but even just looking at this i can see some differences that play into some of the concept he, we were doing he needed he needed halfling up a bit uh, so he needed to be brought into line with the Pathfinder version of, of Halflings. And Pathfinder versions of Halflings are not like other versions of Halflings that you may have seen before. So we uh, we we definitely changed the, the body type and the head shape of what I'd call turnip head. So it's kind of got the thin chin with a kind of like a larger head. Uh, they've got wider mouths. Uh, and they've got regular shaped eyes. Their ears are rounded. That was one of the things we needed to uh, kind of nail down. That was like, a change. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, do so halflings in, have pointed in ears? In first edition, ears? Uh, the halflings had pointed ears and yeah. the gnomes had rounded ears. And I'd like to say that was 100% consistent in every illustration. I think it was mostly consistent. But when we were starting to look at profile and like the silhouette of these characters and, and what were the kind of ancestral indicators. Uh, it, we really kind of realized that gnomes were the ones who should be more angular and have more pointed bits and and be a little bit more alien and, yeah. and, and halflings be a little bit closer to the human side mm -hmm. uh, because they're always sort of appended to human civilizations in, in Galarian. So we did change the ears on this guy. Yeah. So next slide is going to have... Uh, this is the painted version, and you can see on this one some details in the weapons that uh, and, the, and in the flute that I think we're yeah. missing from the original. Yeah, you must have some thoughts about this musical notation it's, on the uh, on the dagger. As far as I'm aware, it's it's the uh, it's the do re mi fa so. Ah. So from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> normally cool. put pop culture references in my artwork, but. I, I, I wanted I wanted some musical notes on the blade, so that that was uh, so I was kind of searching around and thinking, well, you know, what what what's kind of simple that I could put on there? Yeah, and and I thought, yeah, it's 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 got to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate that this character has a little. 
pop culture music Easter egg because when we got your sketch in for this guy originally back on the first round of uh, Pathfinder First Edition, um, we were kind of passing it around the office and and how this generally works is uh, Sarah and James Jacobs, our creative director, maybe I'm in a meeting and we come up with like, okay, you know, this is the weapon the character should generally have. This is what it is. Um, and uh, maybe use these couple of main colors to differentiate from another character or what have you. And then Wayne just goes and essentially creates. And and then, you know, there's that moment a few weeks later where Sarah kind of sends you a little text message, be like, hey, I got something to show you in my office. And then <laughs> James and I like collide right outside her door to rush over, look over her shoulder at Wayne's new sketches. And we pass this guy around and uh, we said we need a name. And then generally um, uh, people will suggest a few names and then we'll narrow it down to a few favorites and then they'll bring it to to me and and I'll be like uh, I like that one or that one and and that's kind of how it works and so we were looking at this guy and he's a musician he's got awesome sideburns that come down on almost to his mouth and uh, so his name is Lem because he, he reminded us of Lemmy from Motorhead. <laughs> and so it'd be kind of rad if those notes were like the opening chords of the Ace of Spades. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that it is. All right. So there is Lem. Any questions about Lem? All right. Let's jump to the next one. Uh, this one is Sila. One of my favorite iconic characters for my, a my lot of iconic reasons. Character. I think yeah. the cover of Ultimate Campaign might be my favorite painting that you've done for Pathfinder, and for a lot of different reasons. Um, the first is it's composed beautifully. The second is it's one of those awesome Wayne Reynolds paintings where there's a great central figure, but there's all these little bonus details and the little randos, you know, on the on the side, and I kind of like that. Is, you know, that's always fun to look at. in the background and, and Elaine's banners in the background. I didn't well. even know. Yeah, that, right. Yeah. And so that's why actually that's why we host these seminars. Is I like to learn about our own stuff. But so here we have Sila. A couple of things really stand out to me about Sila. The colors on this are perfect on the original. Um, the uh, I, we really really think it's important to have uh, representation of all different types of folks uh, in our brand and in our characters. And I don't you know when we're sitting around looking at this. It was hard at that time. So this is what 2007 we're probably working on this. Uh, Not a lot of dark-skinned, armored warriors, right? Uh, I'm hard-pressed to... to, I'm sure there are many. Um, And subsequently, there have been some that, like Valkyrie and things like that, I think have have, have, certainly was not necessarily inspired by Sila, but... It's a very much of the moment, and we wanted to make sure that people, no matter who they are, could look at Pathfinder and see themselves in the game and in the brand. And we've seen that at Gen Con and at shows and things like yeah. that. Characters like Sila, characters like Kyra. I've actually seen gamers cry about that kind of a thing because they, they've went their whole lives without having that level of representation. So that's an important part of Sila. The most important of it is she's just badass. It's just a kick-ass illustration, you know? And so this one, to me, is kind of another one of those ones where we said, well, what do we... How do you... Well, uh-huh. yeah. Wayne, can I just pay you a bunch of money to draw Sila again? And so he did. And this he, this is actually a very interesting um, bit of art direction. So can we go back to that original slide real quick? The most important element of this picture that you cannot see is the front of the shield. And I don't think I even thought of that when we got this illustration originally. It's like, this is sweet. Then we started sending this illustration to other artists and said, okay, we need, you know, Sila in this pose and in this pose. And uh, there are definitely a few different fronts of this shield yeah. in different Pathfinder products. And I think it was um, eventually, I think there is a look at it in the, the one you did where it's the Black Dragon fight. 
um, in uh, oh, uh, Crimson uh, the Throne. Or... Of the shield gets shown before uh, or, uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne. Yeah, that's, a, that's what yeah. I'm trying to... Uh, it's, it's the one... Can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where the uh, vampires are attacking. Oh right, 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 right. The one that we the, used as a huge Pathfinder Society banner. It had a yeah, visual yeah. error in the uh, file, and you could come to the Paizo thing and see a nice, gross thing. Yeah, <laughs> a little history lesson. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, but um, that was a great illustration, and and that didn't always like. Sarah and I were learning how to do this too, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so when we did this one, we said, let's get the front of it right on the control image, really, really important. And I think that also, this shield might be responsible in part for us getting those detailed sheets on all of the equipment because, you know, one of the things, and I'll talk about it later when we get to Sioni, but it's not just has Wayne done a good illustration, but is that illustration able to be replicated by artists who have a different level of talent or a different amount of time or a different whatever than Wayne, and it's important to get that thing right. So if we go to the color, which is almost exactly like the sketch, uh, here we have it. Same character, yeah. pretty awesome. Um, has anything really changed about this outfit? Not, not, not much that has always changed. there, that sort of chain yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's always been there. The sword's the pretty much the same shape. Uh, the shield has slightly changed. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's gotten slightly smaller, because I think the original description for seal i described it as a tower shield probably uh and it's which is it's, much bigger than most of us really yeah yeah of. it's not really a tower shield anymore and also i took the um the sort of asymmetrical circle out of the shield uh in in historical in real world history that circle in the shield so the shield uh, based on um, new kingdom uh, egypt uh, oh shields, i see that yeah that kind of inverted uh, and they had like a circle in there and, and they were used uh, by spearmen. So they, they'd have the shield and then the spear going through the circle. And, but Amiri doesn't have a spear, so why does she need a circle in the <laughs> shield? So, so that, that got removed. Um, and then um, I put some details onto her scabbard. So a scabbard is a, a wooden scabbard with uh, beaten bronze uh, over the top, which, which has uh, one of the... Uh, uh, tasks of Iomede. Is that how it's? Iomede. Iomede. Yep. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, and, and it's funny because uh, it's it's the knights that she rescues from the vampires. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when this came in, and this was probably number seven or eight in terms of the iconic characters, it wasn't in the first batch of six. Mm -hmm. no. um, so it was a Curse of the Crimson Throne when we introduced yep. the first twelve iconics in the first twelve volumes of Pathfinder. And this one, I'm now it, it's all coming back to me. Uh, I was super excited about because Iomide, I had made up that god, you know, and so and I'd only made up three or four gods in the whole thing, and and I wasn't involved <laughs> in like deciding what this character would be. And it came in, it's like, oh, there's a sweet looking character for this. God, you made up, and that was a really great uh, moment for me as a nerd and as a publisher. So, uh, <laughs> any questions about the champion, Sila? She's a champion now instead of a paladin because that's a second edition change. Uh, paladin is still what a lawful good champion is called. There's also redeemers and liberators for neutral good and chaotic good. And it looks like we have a question from the audience. Are there going to be any other, um, maybe kind of like sub-iconics for the other types of champions, the, the Liberator and the Redeemer and whatever other non-good champions may be released? There will now. That was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, there really should be. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Um, 
Yeah, you know that was a fairly late change during the playtest to 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 implement these things. It's a push pull between um, sort of the traditionalists to say, you know, paladins are always lawful good, and anything that's not lawful good is not a paladin, and other folks, you know, um, saying, uh, well, we just like it. We want to play a neutral good paladin. What the hell, you know? And um, paladins were exclusively lawful good, going back years and years and years, predating even Pathfinder. And so we did try to kind of split the baby on that one and say, well, everybody gets a little bit of what they want. And there's still a couple of guys with nine bow fiddlesticks. But in general, <laughs> uh, we want to uh, give people that more opportunities to to make the character they want to play. And and that's kind of part of Pathfinder's second edition's philosophy too. We don't want to be there with our arms crossed and be like, you can't do that, you know. And so uh, I would expect to see more champions of even non-good alignments in uh, the not so distant future okay um let's jump to the next one which is kira um kira is a, a cleric of sarenrae the goddess of redemption and sunlight um wayne sarah anything to say about the original sketch on kira, or painting of kira? Um, well i don't think from the original to the second edition i don't think anything really much changed on we her didn't, we didn't change. i mean she's well let's take a look so here's yeah uh well, why is it going the wrong direction? Okay. Uh, so if we jump to the next sketch, you can see there's the full turnaround. A little bit more body in her headdress, I would say. That that seems, maybe it's just because we're seeing it from behind. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, uh, but this was one where I think we said it's not broken. Don't mess yeah. with it. Um, and there was a real moment that was an eye-opener for me as well. So if you look at the back of the, um, the cloak, that circular sun design, which is, which is really well done, um, this is one of those details that sometimes scares me a little bit when I think about what these illustrations, the life they need to have beyond the, the paintings. Um, because uh, one of the things that we knew we wanted to do from the beginning and, and ultimately was, were able to do was to work with a, a miniatures producer, in this case WizKids, on pre-painted plastic miniatures of our iconic characters. But that pattern scared the hell out of me because look at that. I mean, if you look closely... Wayne, is there even actually... Oh, there is an inner circle there, but there's there's like, what, 12 triangles around the thing? And it's yeah. like, you know, oh my God, is that an individual paint touch every single time they would do it? I've that's, seen some of Wayne's no, Warhammer no armies. Problem. No, no, I know. <laughs> Wayne, we're talking about my problem for just a second. So, so I've seen Wayne's Warhammer armies, and he could paint that, um, but... Uh, factory, <laughs> maybe not. And so, but, 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 and this is this was the kind of level up and the interesting moment for me is um, the way that they do miniatures with uh, with intricate designs like this is actually a process that's called a tampo. And so they they basically stamp it onto the miniature, and so it's identical every time. And when WizKids sent us back that first set of iconic characters with the the Kira, Valoros, Ezrin, and Mercial they nailed it. I mean, it was perfect. And knowing that they could pull that off made me less conservative about cool. the types of designs we could afford to do because as the technology is getting better and better, um, you know, they can, they can almost match, uh, Wayne, your, uh, your original images. So that's exciting there. Uh, let's go down one to the equipment. All right. Any, uh, any secrets in here, Wayne? Any, uh, I see there's a cool Saren Ray symbol worked into her satchel. There is, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, no, it's, uh, her equipment's fairly straightforward, really. Um, the, uh, you know, she's got a phylactery, uh, which is, uh, if you don't know what a phylactery is, it's uh, a religious object that's hollow uh, and usually contains either 
some sort of religious artifact. It, it could contain oil, bones, ash. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of all all fairly straightforward, really. So one thing I want to pull really quick here: the scroll cases. Yeah. I think you know. I think back of like the way the image it's in our heads when we're playing these games and things. And and when I think of scroll case, I generally am just thinking of like I don't know, like a leather little map case or something. Oh, you know, really, okay. really. And that's because I have no imagination and I'm not an artist. <laughs> um, but you look at what you know what you do and you just elevate. The, the scroll something as simple as a scroll case has got this beautiful design to it was did you pull any particular inspiration from anything from oh uh, yeah, yeah it's, from, it's it's due to some of the research yeah. that I did so these are kind of like a Middle Eastern and Far Eastern style scroll cases that these uh, made from wood and then painted or they have gilt uh, on them with uh, brass or bronze uh, kind of uh, caps um that the, the, the scrolls fit inside and and they become weatherproof right. uh then um and and the, I, I just thought oh yeah these are these are really neat some of them are, are made from metal so you get kind of like these bronze or brass scroll cases that weigh a ton that's really cool uh sarah anything to add on this one <laughs> all right then if we advance this is the final kira again it's it's very much just uh i don't know it's the same one I think the thing that majorly changed was her um, her pose. Right. She doesn't her, have quite a, st a right. stiff arm. Like she really was, which is cool. It's like turning on dead or something. But yeah. this is a more naturalistic it fits pose, on a page I think. Better. Yeah, well, I, that's, I there you go. <laughs> this does all have a very practical purpose, ladies and gentlemen. I changed I changed the mail at uh, oh yeah that's right at, at the bottom so you can see uh, you can see kind of like a pantaloons. I love that pan those pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of like these really sort of baggy Far Eastern, uh, sorry Middle Eastern. Um, kind of uh, leggings, pants, they're kind of uh, really kind of baggy. And then you can see her boots a lot better now, which yep. are, they're called rack. They're, uh, they're armored boots, so they have like a, a metal plate uh, inside. And they're kind of like these sort of really kind of baggy, kind of, they're kind of horrible to walk in, <laughs> so, but, awesome. but they look cool. But they're easy to airwalk in. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's jump to the next one. Um, that is Linny. Here's the original. Uh, she is the iconic druid. She's a gnome. Um, and uh, there is her uh, animal companion. And uh, Sarah, Wayne, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't think much changes with Linny as well. We 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 kind of gnomed her up. Yeah. Yeah. So we brought her into line with um with the with P two gnomes. So if we jump to the next one, you'll see some of what uh, he's talking about. I think she looks a little more alien um, mm. and uh, a little more fey, which is kind yeah. of the idea. That yeah? was the idea. Yeah. When you um, painted the original, uh, she's got like a collection of wands or twigs or what what, yeah. what what was it in your mind when you painted it do you remember you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 the the, the little the little case with, the, with yeah. the twigs in yeah um yeah yeah for for because because she was a druid that she'd collect kind of different twigs. right you can see it in the like the, yeah. the back there and the the um she'd collect different sort of twig staves for and i thought well yeah she'd kind of use twigs for magic you know, so maybe if she was casting a spell, she'd kind of get out a twig and like throw the twig, you know, and that would turn into whatever spell that you know she was kind of doing. You know, so she'd have like a yew twig or a beechwood twig, or a rowan twig. So I think that's a good example of the back and forth that happens between having a great creative like Wayne working on on these illustrations and then 
pumping them back into the staff and have them thinking about it because I believe it's because you put that that um, uh, those twigs on there. I think that's the reason why Pathfinder gnomes are all obsessed with collecting different weird things. And so, <laughs> you know, that's just like I, you had that idea that was mostly a Linny idea. We looked at it and said, that is a great idea. How about all gnomes have a weird collection? And that's become, kind of come a part of the hallmarks of a Pathfinder gnome. So it's a synergistic process. And Wayne's been as important, if not, uh, well, as important as any member of the, the Pathfinder full-time staff uh, in terms of developing this, not just within the context of the original illustrations, but what they imply the world and, and where we've extrapolated them. So it's just great to be working with you, Wayne. Um, and here's, you. here's the final. Good to be working with you too, Eric. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, so here's the final. Um, Cool pose, very clear size between her and the and the the cat, which is something artists sometimes have a little trouble with, and mm -hmm. so that's uh, great to have the scale in the illustration. And uh, anybody have any questions about uh, Linny? Yeah, have a name, <laughs> Sarah. Is it Dragami? Dragami. Yeah. So uh, yes, Sarah named the. the I cat. did not. You didn't. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Mike McCarter named the yes. cat. Yeah. So um, Mike was one of our early uh, developers uh, at Paizo, and um, I think he pulled that name from some thing he loves or whatever. And so it's it was just some anime thing or whatever. And uh, we're like, okay, I guess. And so that's Dragami. It's a cute name. Not that cute when it's snarling, but when it's <laughs> not snarling, he's adorable. Um, okay, let's jump ahead. We're, we got, don't have a ton of time. So I'm going to show you some stuff I don't think anyone's ever seen before. And this one is the original sketch of Valoros from 2007. Uh, this was probably done around June or July of 2007, like probably about six days before we sent it to the printer. Um, and uh, this was uh, largely, I would say, art directed by your predecessor, Sean Glenn. <laughs> Um, and the the brief on this guy was we wanted a uh, kind of um, devil may care fighter with two weapons kind of patterned off of Mad Mardigan from Willow was yeah. kind of the original idea. And Wayne, um, you can maybe refresh my memory, but when did the tankard come into play? That was play? Sean's yeah. idea. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, so Wayne did this great illustration, Sans. Uh, the the tankard and uh, Sean was like I think this guy should be a drunk and uh, and uh, so we gave him that pewter tankard and that has become one of the identifying elements of the character um, certainly the hallmark of almost every characterization we've ever done of him in a comic or something like that he's a drinker and all that and so it's interesting how little individual elements of these equipment loadouts play into the development yeah. of these characters. And it's also interesting that many, many, many times, of course, those come from Wayne, but sometimes they come from Sarah or one of the developers. So it's a collaborative process, and that's been really fun. I say I don't think we've shown this off before, um, but uh, it, it's not that unusual. If we can come to the next slide, the final actually looks exactly like it. So you've seen uh, the painted version of it. This was the original Pathfinder illustration. In fact, the day we announced Pathfinder, uh, when we also announced the Dragon and Dungeon were ending, this illustration, along with Sioni, was on the website. So this was the first thing anyone ever saw about uh, Pathfinder. And we've always really loved Valoros. I think Valoros, because he was on the first cover, has kind of an emblematic a guy of the brand. Um, but we knew we needed to make some changes, in part because of some of the rules for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. So if we're going to 
advance to the next slide. Here is uh, the second edition version of Valoros. Um, there is a, a little two on his shield. I think that's a, yeah, yeah. A, a little Easter egg for the number of iterations we did on the yeah. shield because the shield was a very important part. Um, so here we have Valoros. Uh, it's got this little, what do you call this little thing on a the, boss. a boss on the shield. Um, we did some more iterations. If we jump to the next thing, here's his equipment loadout. You see the front and the back of the shield. Um, and then if we jump further, here is yet another version of another the shield. Version. We yeah. wanted to make sure we got the shape of the shield right. We wanted to make sure that we got the symbols and the, the, the colors and stuff on the shield really, really well. Shields are a huge part of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. We've completely revised how they work in the game to add a lot more depth to uh, tactical combat and to give um, uh, martial characters a bunch of fun things to do. And uh, yeah, so there you see how does he hold the shield. That's really important. Wayne knows more about weapons and armor than anybody I've ever met. Um, he lives in the same city as one of the greatest collections of medieval weaponry in Europe. Uh, I, I can still say you guys are in Europe at least for another uh, yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, and, uh, and so we're extraordinarily lucky that he brings that depth of knowledge. Wayne knows not only the difference between uh, the different types of armor, Wayne probably knows how to make that armor. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably puffing you up a little bit, but Wayne, Wayne has worn full plate armor before. Fair to yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. is it fair to say you own a suit of full plate I own, armor? I own a suit of full plate armor that's so, been made okay. especially for me. So yeah, I can Go to the head of the run, class. ride, jump fall down in it yeah right okay so but not everyone is wayne and so we need to make stuff that other people are going to be able to replicate and understand and so that's why it's important to show some of those artists this is how the shield connects to the hand and what have you here we have we settled on a very simple design for the uh shield front again that was intentional to be replicated and uh when you got that bright red shield that's the first thing someone's gonna yeah. see and that's yeah. part of the thinking that on, is right? part of it yeah that is exactly part of it and i, and I came up with so many shield designs <laughs> i I, I, I don't know. There must have been at least a hundred oh, shield designs, just the pages and pages of shield designs. Right. Um, you know, I go, hey, what about this one? It's All right. So I need to move it along here because okay. uh, we're running out of time. So here's Sejan, the original monk. Uh, again, we really like this illustration. Pretty much perfect. Here is the sketch. And the next one is the final. Uh, really, really, really feel like the color contrast on this is superior to the original. Um, in terms of the just the values of the blue and the white, nice job. Thank you. Um, any questions about the monk? All right. Uh, next up, we have Harsk. Harsk is a very, very interesting character, and I'm glad we do have enough time to talk about this because this is the one I think went through a lot of thinking and a lot of revisions yeah. and things that ended up significantly impacting the the way that uh, doors are presented in Pathfinder Second Edition. So here we have Harsk. Lots of detail. Uh, great looking character. Wayne again putting a teapot on there that gives him a ton of character. Here's a dwarf who's not an alcoholic. I don't even think he speaks with a Scottish accent, frankly. Um, <laughs> and uh, so a little bit uh, non-stereotypical. If we advance to the next slide, here is one of the first shots at at, uh, at Harsk in second edition. I don't know that we've ever shown this one um, before, but uh, the nose is different, and that was something that we yeah. that came out yeah. of the uh, the concepting of the 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 ancestries that we did. Um, one of the important things we want to make sure that if you're looking at a Pathfinder no, uh, a dwarf, it's at least distinguishable in some ways from yeah. just a random dwarf. Uh, we inherit we gain a lot when we inherit these things from just raw vanilla fantasy, but we also uh, 
it can, there can be a sort of genericism that can creep in from time to time. So we gave some physiological features to the, to the dwarf. And then we're looking at this and we're like, this is almost perfect. And then we started focusing in on the dagger um, on his belt. And we had decided that we wanted the dwarf's clan to be a big part of second edition. And so um, you can see on that illustration that's up on the screen right now, uh, there is the first appearance there of the dwarf clan dagger. So that has got a, a, a special stone affiliated with the family built into the hilt. It's got that squared off uh, scabbard. And that is something that every dwarf has. Uh, and now they might lose it. And that's a good sign that you're dealing with a, a, a bad dwarf. Uh, you did some dwarf weapon stuff. So there's dwarven faces built into the, the axes yep. and what have you. And by the way, uh, can we go back two slides here? Yeah, there you go. So Wayne pulls this in one day and goes, yeah, I think this is Harsk. And then we talk a little bit more and we say, Wayne, can you maybe add that dagger we were talking about and then like two days later okay go forward two slides uh one back one there you go we get this and wayne's like yeah i just redrew the whole guy okay cool. <laughs> um, and so here he is he's got two weapons instead of the crossbow that that's uh, appropriate for the ranger crossbow actually is appropriate for the ranger in second edition as well more so i think even than first and uh here you go he's great looking we love him that's harsk here's his equipment uh, really good look at that crossbow. Um, awesome job there, Wayne. You've got the, the you. tea kettle. Um, you know, I don't have a long time to linger, but there's that, that dagger I was talking about. All right, so, and there's the final. Brighter hair, which is cool. Brighter hair, uh, The yeah. tartan is much more uh, up front. That was another yeah. element of the culture that we wanted to bring forward. And uh, that, that, that dwarven dagger there is just amazing. So love, love, love the new Harsk. All right, Mauricial. Uh, here we go. One of our most popular iconics, if not the most popular iconic, certainly our creative director, James's favorite iconic character. Um, one of the neat things on this character is I believe these banners, do they have some kind of connection to Calistria? Or, yes. Yeah. Yes, so do. that's her yeah. goddess. Um, just going to keep jumping through here. Here's a, a, a early sketch of yep. Mauricial. Um, this is a good example of one of the things that concerned me a little bit is the, the, the intricacy of the hilt on the, uh, the sword. Yeah. Um, we needed to simplify that. I just knew in my heart of hearts after approving 80 issues of comics and stuff that other people were not going to be able to pull that <laughs> off. Uh, and I didn't want to have them change it every single time. Um, so here we have another revised sketch. I really do like this pose. Uh, I, we didn't end up going with this, I don't no, think. No, we didn't. But I really, 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 really like this pose. Um, and then here we go, some equipment from Mauricial. Um, I wish I had an hour to talk about this, but uh, Bullman arriving tells me we're already behind schedule. And here we have uh, Mauricial. And the colors on the banner are even more in line with the colors yeah. of Calistria at yeah. that point. What's going on with these shoes and the legs? That's an interesting change. Um, the, I, I, changed, I changed the footwear so that it was more in keeping with the uh, elven ancestry. Right. So right. The, the kind of like the, the costume elements were repeated on our legs. Uh, similar to how they were on her arms, I, I always felt that that Mauricio's boots didn't quite fit the character. It, it's and and since since illustrating Mauricio, we'd got the uh, iconic swashbuckler oh, uh, right. Jarrell, who also has a pair of kind of fold down boots. And I thought, well, Jarrell's got some cool fold down boots. Then Mauricio doesn't really need hers. She needs. He needs elven boots. Right. Yeah, yeah. The boots of an elven kind, you might yes. say. Um, and look at that basket <laughs> hilt. Still plenty complex. I'm not a total monster. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> uh, if we advance to the next thing, this is something I really wanted to show off because I just remembered I had this on my computer from 2007. I don't think we've ever showed this illustration ever before. Mm -hmm. I, uh, um, and this is the very first illustration That's of Sioni. First type In Sioni. fact, this is one of the first drawings of, for Pathfinder ever. Um, and uh, so we started there. Uh, we ended up in the next slide here. This is uh, Sioni in all her glory. Uh, great character, very popular uh, with... Uh, the communities on the cover of the core rule book. Um, not 100% 2019, I guess I would say. And so one of the things that we wanted to do with this character, um, I think um, uh, maybe Sioni fell into a bit of a trap. And that is in first edition, uh, she's a sorcerer. And the key ability score of sorcerer is charisma, and you know, and so the idea of like people will often conflate that with sort of superficial beauty or what have you. I'm not saying you did, but um, I think maybe that's a, oh yeah, well she's maybe a little boobalicious, but like uh, it's because she's a sorcerer. And uh, eh, uh, love the design, but we really wanted to update it, and I think that was yeah. mutual among all yeah, of us. Yeah. And yeah. so when we did that, um, here's a, a first take. Uh, Wayne put that together. Really going in the right direction on uh, all of the the making it a cool character, making it not hypersexualized. Um, but again, speaking for myself, uh, approving a bunch of comic artists and stuff. Whatever's going on in the center of that waist is is not replicable by people of, of lesser <laughs> godlike powers. Uh, and so I was concerned about that. And also there was some detail work on the the staff that we wanted to simplify to make miniatures easier to do. There is an element of commerce to this. Um, and there we go. So now we're moving toward it. We're getting closer and closer. In fact, I think this is close to the original, or close to the final. But again, maybe a little more complexity can be stripped away from that staff. Then we jump to this. Here is the final uh, equipment loadout. Really, really loving this. This is, by the way, oh, man, I wish I had a drawing of Sioni's dagger about five years ago. So now we finally got that, which is great. And then here's the final uh, Sioni. I'm really, really happy with this. One of the things that we wanted to make sure is we didn't want to just, like, cover her in uh, head to toe. Part of the, the goal here is uh, with these tattoos, they play into her magical traditions and stuff. So we wanted, if she was going to show skin, we wanted to show the, the skin where yeah, those we, tattoos we come to, into play. We had to completely remove her sleeves yep. uh, because with the uh, mantle, uh, and the sleeves, we were just we were just losing. All right, yeah. on our and arms. we're almost done here. Uh, I got one more character to go through. This is Ezrin. He's a wizard. He's an old man. Uh, hilariously, um, when we did this in 2007, we were all much younger people, and uh, someone's like, "Yeah, this guy's 44." <laughs> <laughs> which really pisses me off because that's how old I am right now. And it's like, yeah, old, old man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel it more and more every day. Okay, so there is Ezrin. Uh, this was the first take on him. Um, I w again, um, and this is a, a dicey one, I think, because it does go up against issues of representation, but uh, having eyeglasses on the character and you it, it put yeah, in the Nesbier's yeah. eyeglasses yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah, just kind of sit. Can't do it. The people are going <laughs> to fuck that up for sure. Uh, so we pulled that off uh, his face, and here he is in all of his glory. And here we go. Uh, here, um, look at all that equipment. Yeah, he's got Take some of screen equipment. caps of that, folks, on the stream, and you can study it in detail. But we ain't got time to talk about it now. And here he is, uh, final version of Ezrin. Again, the color contrast is a little bit higher on this character, yeah, yeah. Um, but otherwise, still the same guy you love. Except his cane has turned into a staff to play into some of the other stuff with Second Edition. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Ezrin, guys? Nope. All right, dudes. We're way over time. Thank you so much. Wanted to get through Thank your whole you. presentation, and we did. <laughs> Woo! Have a great time at uh, Gen Con, folks, and uh, hope to see you down in the hall or in the Sagamore Ballroom.
And that was part of No Direction's 2019 Gen Con seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. If you'd like to find more great content like this, go to nodirectionpodcast.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for making content like this possible. If you'd like to support the network and see that future content is created, you can do so at patreon.com slash nodirection. Or click on the Patreon link at nodirectionpodcast.com. 